Welcome back to the Ublocrity podcast with me, Don Birch. This is the podcast where we get to speak to thought leaders across the industry and try and piece together all the different elements so that this blockchain world begins to make sense. I'm absolutely delighted this week to be joined by Frank Dunsmuir. Now, Frank is the industry lead for customs and trade at Fujitsu. He has over 20 years experience working for global technology organizations, delivering services and solutions to the retail industry, the supply chain industry, as well as major government programs, including, I'm pleased to say, the government's DVLA electronic vehicle licensing. I just got my new driver's license last week. And Frank specializes in new and emerging technologies. Frank, I'm going to stop there because there's a danger if I give you too much of an introduction, we won't have time to speak. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dom, and uh, glad to be here. So just give us a little bit about you then. What brings you to Fujitsu and to this world of, I guess, preparing us for our exit from the EU and and trying to get borders working more effectively, I suppose? So my background, I um, have a foot in both camps of technology and business. So uh, I'm able to to look across both areas, uh, and, and that gives us an advantage of thinking about an entire area and an, and an entire solution. So it it moves away from creating a technology gadget like um, you know a smart device of some sort and saying here's a gadget, uh, and actually looking at the entire end-to-end particular topic that we're talking about or a particular issue, and and come up with a solution that works operationally as well. Um, so I, I sit in both those camps, and I spent the last um, four years working in the customs and intermediary part of our business. And so my my knowledge base is both within how customs works, how border operations work, uh, what does best practice look like on a global basis, where do we see that happening, uh, what are we doing around our borders today, what are the demands on the borders, what does it look like going forward, and pulling together ideas and, and thoughts on if we if we could wave a magic wand, if we could have what we wanted, what would a really good border operating model look like and what, what role would technology play in helping uh, achieve that end? So it's a really, really interesting and varied job. I love that idea of the, the waving the magic wand. That yeah. sense of being able to kind of set that vision without immediately worrying about all of the barriers, the technical problems, the even the legal framework mm. or the changes in regulation. How do you then go from mm. that position of seeing what the solution is and then having to kind of work backwards, I guess, to, to mm. figure out what's the best way to get there? Yes, it's, it's an interesting one. And that's very much what we do or, or the way I work is um, what, what would happen if we could do the following? So we now know we have a customs border with the EU. That particularly hits the freight industry for, for road traffic and road movement. Uh, so when you're moving stuff by trucks, um, they now have new processes and procedures and they have to stop at the border, additional checks, additional paperwork, etc. So what, what if that truck became smart and it could just electronically announce itself and drive through the border? And it would drive through the border if all of that electronic information that it shares with the border agencies proves to be correct and valid, and I know this organization, uh, we know them well, they're a low-risk organization with a low-risk set of goods, everything about the data tracks that really nicely, so why would we want to stop them and see a bit of paper from the driver, what's the advantage? Uh, and we work back from that, there's, there's the wish list, there's the magic wand, a, a smart vehicle that intelligently tells the border agencies what it's doing, where it's going, what it's carrying, where it's come from, and it automatically has permission to move through uh, the border, if everything checks out, um, and we work backwards from that. So, so what's stopping that? What, what, what's preventing that happening? The technology, surprisingly, is often the easiest bit 
Now, my, my colleagues will not thank me for saying that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, to, to, to make a digital twin, to share information digitally, um, technology is quite good at that. It handles that sort of thing and it can do it securely. It can do it in a way that is restricted to certain parties. So I'm going to share this with Border Force or with DEFRA uh, in a controlled manner, etc. That bit we're really good at. And so we can build systems that will do that. It then becomes more of an operation and a policy focus. So operationally, how would that work at the border? How would I know that truck is the, the digital truck that's given me the information and the other one isn't? How do I get the data and how do I know and trust that it is the right data? What do I need to know about that company in order to be able to give it some sort of trusted status? Uh, I don't like the word trusted because it kind of suggests that everyone else isn't trusted. So that's not the implication there. How do I operationally give that organization some level of trust that they can use this digital model? And how would it work uh, operationally at the border itself? Would I have a fast lane? Would I have a, an automatic barrier? Um, and then finally, what does the EU think of this? Because borders, you have to move between two regions. So whilst the UK might agree to it, <clears throat> the EU would have to agree to it as well. So there is a policy process as well. So is there a customs policy or a, a transport policy that we could hook onto that would enable this to happen? And by policy, the uh, EU has a, uh, a policy called the UCC, the Universal Customs Code, which, which sets out in lots of legislation how you can move goods and how you can't move goods and under what conditions you can move them, etc. And and deep within there, there are lots of lovely facilitations like transit and, and things like that. And we can hook onto those policies with our digital solutions and our operational solution to say, put all those three together. And it looks like that that magic truck solution could actually work. It's viable. And I guess not only is it viable, but you're demonstrating through some of the pilots that have already been run that it mm -hmm. does work and it and it will work and it's going to work. Talk to me about yeah. how that's actually manifesting in the in the real world because I guess people at home will be listening to that and going, makes great sense. And I'm glad Frank's got a brain <laughs> big enough to, to figure it all out because there's lots of moving parts there. I, I was immediately imagining myself with a VIP pass at Disneyland, you know, and mm. walking past the queue. And so how do you validate that 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 truck is a trusted trader and can get the green light. How have you demonstrated that in practice? The, the, the demonstrating in practice is really, really critical because um, it's lovely to have a, a PowerPoint slide or a, a description of we could do this and, and okay. But immediately different stakeholders like the border agencies or the truckers will, will, will think, yeah, but do you really understand our business? Do you really know what we're doing? And the answer is no. You've got to do some testing, some, some real life, real world tests which means you set the whole thing up and you pilot it with all of the stakeholders. So we did this. We, we built the system the platform. We put some uh, smart locks, and I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about those, on the back of these trucks. We then followed those trucks uh, using the smart locks electronically, and we showed all of this information to the border agencies as, we were, uh, as the journeys were uh, unfolding and as the vehicles crossed, etc. So they could see on a dashboard electronically where the vehicle had come from, who had locked it. They could see the fact that it hadn't been opened or tampered with during its journey. So whatever went in the truck has not been tampered with. It passed the port at this particular time uh, and it arrived in its destination as it said it would uh, and didn't go anywhere else. So very nice. And with that, we also shared all of the data about the truck, the owner of the trucks, the traders that put goods in 
into the vehicle, the customs declarations, and any certificates as well. So all of the data had a digital equivalent on the system. And, and what that did is it showed us, first of all, the technology works, which we knew it would. But equally, it showed us that the hauliers had used the smart lock. It, it works. They can, had no problem sticking it on the back, locking their vehicle with it, and dealing with the codes to open and close it. The traders had no problem with it. And the border agencies, if they wanted to inspect the lock, it was there to see and, and, um, and inspect. So all through that chain, uh, we showed that it actually works. And there were some, there were some interesting um, side benefits that we hadn't really thought about. So for example, the hauliers, uh, the ones that provide the transport, were able to say to their customers now, we give you secure transport and we can also show you where your goods are during the journey and when they arrive. So all of a sudden, there were these side benefits cropping out that, that we hadn't really anticipated, which often happens in pilots as well. So the traders, the retailers and the, and the suppliers could see that their goods were on the way and where they were. And again, it's up to the haulier if they want to share that information or not. And the haulier is able to say to their customers, we are sealing this truck. So it's safer, more secure, more reliable uh, than an a truck that's not sealed or locked um, as part of a value-add service. And, and those side benefits, I guess people who are sat at home are thinking, well, how, how does that come to, to life in other areas? And it would be things like when you get a delivery from a courier firm or from Amazon, actually some mm. of the tools they built for internal reasons, just to be able to flow their goods and make sure their yeah. drivers were being efficient, they could flip those into being customer-facing. And now suddenly you can look on your app and go, my parcel is three stops away. The, the likes of the fast parcel operators, as we call them, and, and um last mile delivery organizations like Amazon, they, they are already doing these sort of things. So you, we're four stops away, it will be with you soon. So they're tracking that last mile bit, which is useful. What, what organizations um, tend to struggle with is, is the previous uh, part of that journey. So getting out of the local distribution center to your home, very trackable. The bit before that is it's traveling on mass in a, in a big container, et cetera. So there's far more great uh, visibility in that section of the journey now and in particular if you think about supermarkets supplying from a distribution center to their shops they don't typically know what's arriving until it arrives at the shop um, and they typically don't know what's in the truck to, to any great detail until it's there and it's not always the case some retailers are have more detail on that when the trucks loaded but but quite a few don't um, and so Again, this is giving the store and the store managers and the store operations people far more insight and control over their goods management and, and, and goods in processes. So it was, it was a really interesting side product, but our focus was mainly on could we create the magic truck, the smart truck, as we call it, smart freight solutions, and, and enable it to have enough confidence and trust in that product. Perhaps the easiest analogy would be on the motorway. If you, if you go... Uh, across Europe on the motorway, you go to the toll booth and, and you'll notice some, some cars drive through the fast, uh, fast lane where there's, there's, there's just a reader and it reads an RFID tag in the car for those that have registered for the auto toll. Those of us that aren't registered have to queue up and, and pay. Um, and it's a little bit like that. If you, if you have the smart freight solution, you're in the auto, auto toll route and you should get through the port with, with far less checks provided you're compliant. 
I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I also want to say thank you and well done because we've got this far into the conversation and neither of us has actually said the word blockchain. Now, <laughs> and it would be remiss of us not to, I guess, yeah. but but just help people understand them because, you know, part of our role here at Block 2 is to help people actually visualise what on earth is this blockchain thing? I keep hearing about it. There's a load of hype around it. I don't really understand it, but actually mm-hmm. all of the things you've just described – the technology that underpins it, I guess, is, is equivalent to a blockchain. Yes, it is. So underneath all of this lovely um, orchestration sits the data. And the data is the most important part of this process. It's how we manage and move data around and how we share it. It's absolutely key to this process, the success of this process. If there's any concern around the integrity of that data or the management and movement of that data, then the whole process, it gets very, very flaky. So we need the most secure and consistent management of that data possible. And, and blockchain offers that. So the, the nice thing about blockchain is once you've written the record to, to the, the blockchain database, it stays there and you can't change it, tamper with it or, or amend it. So you've always got this record of what you did. You know nobody else has been able to tamper with. It's tamper-proof. Um, you can certainly amend the record by writing another record saying, I've now got an update, but you'll always have that history. Um, And the beauty of this process is it creates uh, a lot more integrity in in the fact that that data hasn't been manipulated or changed. It also allows us to share that data in in a controlled manner. So if I'm supplying stuff to you, we might share access to some supply chain data on the blockchain, just you and I. We might have the rights to see that data. But, and that's that's great. the, the, the big challenge with supply chain is there are lots of what we call handoffs between organizations as stuff goes through the supply chain. So whether it's goods coming from China, it, it would have to leave the, the factory in China. So there's paperwork there. It arrives at the dock. There's paperwork there. It goes onto the ship. There's more paperwork there. It's on the ship. Um, it then arrives in the dock in, in um, Felix or whatever. There's more paperwork there. It has to be put into the dock, there's more paperwork there, it then gets collected by transport, and it goes on and on and on. And every time there's a handoff of, here's the paperwork, here's the documentation. Amazingly, it's a very, very manual process uh, today. It's bits of paper and stamps. So the blockchain offers the ability to move that data chain uh, from one party to another in a very, very secure way so that we're controlling who sees the data and we know that data has not been tampered with. Nobody's written on it or altered it, so it has integrity from the very off. And, and that's really key where, where I mentioned before, you need trust in this system. We have to be confident the data is right. And absolutely, you block is um, using blockchain to, to retain the data, to, con- to, to manage that data and create that integrity, which is why we're partnering with Uji Blockity, because it's, it's a perfect platform uh, for the vision that we have. Um, and and we, we'll, we'll work with blockchain to extend that vision, the smart freight vision, into areas such as um, healthcare and safety side for livestock, for example, transport and livestock, which is another um, exciting uh, development that we're looking at together. What's your hopes, Frank, for the future? And I sort of, I almost am scared to ask because with the ability to wave your magic wand and see the vision that, you know, and pull together that vision into reality uh, and actually make that work and know with absolute confidence the technology was going to work, but you needed to demonstrate it to people so they could see it, feel it, believe it. And then you see these kind of side benefits. As you look ahead, and, I, and maybe even only six months, 12 months down the line, 
what's what's coming our way that perhaps people need to be thinking about now and getting ready for? Because the world is beginning to change, isn't it? We've, we've left the EU. We've now had our own customs union. And, and whether you like that or not, it's done. And, and I don't see that being reversed in the short term. Uh, so it's introduced a challenge, which is we now have a customs border, first time in 47 years with the EU. So, so that has created the current friction as we now move goods between Great Britain and EU. And, and by friction, I mean it's slowing the movement of goods across the border. Um, and the UK government, to, to minimise that impact, is phasing in controls at the border. So at the moment, you can bring goods from the EU into the UK pretty much unhindered uh, with a low level of administration and requirement. But by the end of the year, we'll pretty much have a full lockdown border operating system with customs administration and checks at the border. So Dover, Eurotunnel, Tilbury, all of those ports, goods will have to be checked. So last year, you could you could put goods in the truck, drive from Paris to, to Manchester in the same way you could put goods in the truck and drive from Birmingham to Manchester. At the end of this year, that will require customs documentation and checks of those documents at the border. And if you're not compliant, you get turned away. So it introduces cost and administration and, and treacle. So the opportunity for the UK, if you counter that challenge with an opportunity, the opportunity is we now need as a country to invest in our border strategy. We have a border strategy. The government's published that, the 2025 strategy. We now need to invest in delivering that strategy to the point where solutions like smart freight are readily adopted and we move the checks away from the border. It's as simple as that. Don't have the checks at the border, move them away from the border. It's interventions can happen at the border. So if you need to do a physical check or intervene in some sort of way, of course you don't want to let dangerous goods into the country, but the check is done away from the border using smart freight type technologies and trusted trader programs. And that's very, very much best practice that we see around the world. It's, it's not new. It happens in other regions. There are, there are programs in Sweden, in American Canadian border, et cetera, where these sort of schemes are, are developing at pace and are being used today. And we just need to be best in class at that because 50% of our trade is with the EU. You know, that will continue to be a large percentage going forward. So we cannot afford to hinder and put costs on that trade. So my view for the future is that is that we, we move towards being best in class globally on our border operations and we, we start dealing with the hotspots, which at the moment is road freight. And then we look to move that best in class learning towards sea freight, air freight and others. So we become the easiest and most efficient country to deal with. And, and that will drive trade. And with trade drives economic prosperity for us. It's a nice little dream. <laughs> it's a great dream. And I have every confidence, Frank, you're going to help make that a reality. Thank you so much for coming on to the Ublockity podcast. Frank Dunsmuir, who's the industry lead for customs and trade at Fujitsu. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure too.